Welcome back to the Mental Status Podcast. This is a podcast created by psychology students for psychology students. We are your hosts, Yash and Josh, and we aim to demystify the unknowns of studying psychology and share our insights along the way. We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we plan, write and record this podcast, the Turrbal and Yagura peoples. We pay our respects to the elders, past and present, and we recognise that this has always been a place of teaching, learning and storytelling. Today's episode is the second of our Broke Student series. So in our first episode, we broke down some of the research and reasons behind why finances play such an important role in the lives of many students. Uh, We also shared our own financial journeys and backgrounds as a way of highlighting the personal experiences that have shaped our relationship with money for better or for worse and with the hopes that it will help spark others to reflect on their own stories and their own experiences because it is these experiences which shape our money mindsets and that is our very topic for today our money mindsets so this refers to our key philosophies which have essentially guided how we spend and save our money during our psychology studies so if you haven't already go ahead and give our Money Stories episode a listen, as it's a great prequel and context to our discussions today. We would like to thank our sponsors for this episode, Shopback. I said last week, but I have personally been using Shopback since 2021 to save extra money as a student. So if you listened to my mental status, even yeah last week as well and the week before that, you would know that I dropped my laptop and now I have to buy a new one. So I'm in the process of looking for one and I will 100% be using Shopback on that purchase to save me some extra money. Shopback launched Shopfest, so you can find deals on a bunch of brands that you already use, like 15% off at Kohl's, um, cashback at Kohl's, and up to 100% cashback at Pizza Hut. If you're new to Shopback, you can sign up with the code BROKESTUDENT for a bonus $20 cashback, or you can follow the link in our show notes. Once again, I would like to thank Shopback for helping us make this series possible. Now on to our mental status for the week. Josh, you go first. Okay. My mental status is, it's good. I'm in a good place. I'm a little lost. I'm a little confused, (laughs) but I'm doing well. Finding your identity post-uni. Yeah, that's what I keep telling everyone. So for context, I am just about done. I'm I'm so jealous. I had my final exam. I submitted my folio, awaiting approval. Yeah, things are looking good. Things are looking positive for a graduation by the end of the year. So that's me checking out of my psychology studies, but that does not mean checking out from the Psychology Student Podcast. Mm. So, you know, we are looking at doing episode a few more episodes this year, but I know for sure that we'll be back next year as well. With some time to reflect over the holidays and what really helped us get through the journey. Well, you know what? That's a big part, actually, of what I've been excited about from getting to this point. Mm. Like, for ages, we happened to start a podcast in the middle of our final semester of Masters. Oh, my God, yeah. 
So now, you know, I've been very proud that we've been able to do what we have. Oh, and have guests on as well. Yeah. We've got so many people like lined up, ready to go. And that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm so excited to actually dedicate some time to really mm-hmm. try and put out some really useful content Yeah. and we're, valuable content. We're trying to figure out like where we should film or like record a podcast with guests because I'm they definitely can't fit in my room. I promise there will be a second microphone when yes, we have guests. Not three people around. crowded around it. No, that is exciting. So we've got people lined up from, you know, different masters programs, different ages, yeah. backgrounds, experiences. So you can get a taste of different ways you can make it um, to the psych programs. So that's what I'm excited about. But it is a weird period for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, someone described it as a, a recalibration period. And I thought she just summed it up so well because that's exactly what it feels like. It's like recalibrating to be a human again. Whenever I think of recalibration, I think of interactive whiteboards. Like smart boards or something? Yeah, you remember in primary school? Oh, I feel like we used them for like a week and then they just gave up on them. Really? They don't yeah. have them anymore? Uh, mm, we didn't use them much. I think they realised that I whiteboards did like the, the same thing. I hated like the feeling of like the pen. L- oh, the yeah. Whiteboard. It was not... It's not what you expect, is no. it? Anyway, sorry. Go that was on. a nice segue. Yeah, that's me. That's my mental status. All right, Yash, what is your mental status this week? I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. I, again, finished my final exam yesterday, so I think I'm feeling the post-exam adrenaline crash. Yeah. yeah, still. Um, I I passed. We got our grades. So yeah. Woo. I have to keep reminding myself of what I've achieved and everything that I've ticked off. Because I have a really big tendency to look ahead at all the things that I have to do. Yeah. And I don't remember that like, or I don't remind myself that two months ago I had everything I have to do plus so many more things. You yeah, I, I mean? remember at the start of the semester we were looking at our like to-do list and going, I can't believe we have to do all, all of, of that, that again. I know. But we've been doing it for seven years. It's kind of hard seeing a lot of people wrap up and finish and like start yeah. going on holidays and things like that. Because for context... You aren't quite at that stage. No. my last It is this year. Yeah, it is this year. Um, my last day of placement is like December 20th. So mm. <laughs> I've got a long way to go and I anticipate that I'll still be doing work right up until then and not just chill work, like a lot of work up until then. So I've got another four-ish weeks to go, um, which I'm going to try treat myself every week to something to help Yeah, me I like it. that. I like that idea. But yeah, that's that's me. That's where I'm at. Okay, very cool. Well, in that case, maybe it's time that we do get into today's episode. Let's do it. Okay, so just briefly, Yash, what are some of the things which have helped shape your money mindset? Did you have any books or any podcasts or, I don't know, content creators that you turned to which helped you? I'm going to speak about one creator that I have been watching for years now and it's The Financial Diet or Chelsea Fagan. So I follow her on TikTok and on YouTube and she just, you know, she also comes from a low income background and now is pretty wealthy, um, but she still like acknowledges a lot of the the differences, the real differences that exist when you are low income compared to when you're wealthy and how a lot of of financial advice from wealthy people almost gaslights a lot of low income people. And she's just got her head screwed on and a lot of her commentaries on different topics like student loans and 
finances as an immigrant and things like that, I really value. So if anyone is looking for some conscientious financial content, I really like um, The Financial Diet and Chelsea Fagan. Okay. I don't know that one, so I'm kind of keen to check that out. Yeah, you should. What about you, Josh? There are lots that come to mind, but one that I really enjoyed was The Psychology of Money. Yeah, and I brought that today because I wanted to discuss a few of these as a way of kind of, I guess, facilitating a discussion around our money mindsets and just talking about some different money mindsets that are out there. Because these are different things which may seem little, but I think that they're important in influencing how you actually spend your money. So, Well, it has for us, at least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking I'll go through a couple of these and we can just have a bit of a chat about them. And then... Yeah, maybe at the end we can share a bit more about our own personal money mindsets, Mm -hmm. the things that I guess we've both talked about shaping how we spend our money, at least that have helped us. I was really attracted to this book because, of course, it said the psychology of money, and so I had to get it. I had no expectations going into it, but I didn't expect it to be such an interesting read. Mm. I don't know if it's one that necessarily, you know, it's not full of, like, quick tips and hacks on how to save your money. But at the very least, I found it very enjoyable. It's very human behaviour and how people act around money. Yeah, yeah. That's very a really cool. good perspective, actually. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, getting into it, one of the first ones I want to discuss, particularly relevant considering our last episode, financial decisions are driven by your personal experiences. Checks out. <laughs> All right, next one. Um, <laughs> no, but from our last episode, you can see how our past experiences really shape the way that we interact with money now Um, and I guess that goes for most things in psychology right when we do a case formulation the five p's which many of you might have done yeah the predisposing factors it's something that you have to consider what led to the current presentation in, in in essence it's just true that if you compare someone who grew up during a recession during the great depression or something they're gonna be probably pretty nifty with their money Versus someone who grew up during an economic boom. That reminds me of the TikTok that we just saw. Oh, what was it? Remember, it was so it was an interracial couple. So I don't know what. Oh, she was Chinese, right? Yeah, she was Chinese, and then her partner was white. Caucasian. Yeah, white. And then this was an unspoken rule in my family, but you never order drinks. Never ever order drinks, and I still don't order drinks to this day. I always get water and tap water. Um, I could see this exact situation happening with our family. Yeah. <laughs> like if our families went to dinner, everyone in my family would have water, and everyone in Josh's and my dad would look at me like, "You want a beer?" Yeah. <laughs> but it's just you know how we grew up and how you know no entrees, no dessert, no drinks, only get the main. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, it's just how you grew up, and you know obviously parents growing up. Um, and myself growing up with little money, those are things that you can't really afford and that's affected our behaviour going forward, even though now we can actually afford a drink, you know, but it's still, we, can't, we just don't get it's it. It's those history of personal experiences. Exactly. Okay, I think we've explained that one pretty yeah. well. Um, the next one, true wealth is what you don't see. What do you think? Well, I always talk about my neighbours with this. Oh, <laughs> Well, Throw some shade, let's go. No, no, as in they are clearly very wealthy because they're homeowners in, like, very close to, like, Brisbane CBD, right? So, you're like, your house is going to be pretty expensive. And they have, like, a really 
normal car. So if you saw them driving at oh at like Tawong or something, right? And then like you saw their car parked, you would look at them and you'd be like, oh yeah, they're just like an average Joe. And then you realize that actually <laughs> they're quite yeah. wealthy, and you don't you don't realize how wealthy they are. And it's probably because of those compromises of like, all right, let's not get like a really expensive car. Like I rather put this towards an asset, mm. like a house that um, has like capital and um, yeah, capital growth. That's a really good example, actually. Yeah, I think some of the ones from the book. I got a quote here: "Spending money to show people you have money is the fastest way to have less money." Which I think is pretty good. And I think from memory, it, what the book is really good about, and it's been a while since I've read it, so excuse me for getting this wrong. They have a lot of stories that highlight these rules mm-hmm. and are good examples of them. And they talked about a janitor was really, you know, inconspicuous and quite reserved, worked as a janitor for his entire life, and then when he died, passed on like millions of dollars. Oh yeah, that guy. Oh that guy. <laughs> And that's just a good example of, like, those are the people who have money and then often the ones who are flashing it about may not. And I think that that's a bit of an obvious or nothing statement when it comes to Mm. students, but it does relate back to us because it goes, look, you know, you can go and spend money that you might not have in a way of trying to, I guess, present a a different version of yourself that isn't necessarily true. I, I get it, though, and also sometimes I don't like some of these principles to say. Whilst they are right in their origins i just think it puts the blame on individual people and it's not really people's fault that you get excluded if you don't you know look a certain way or have certain things i I understand that nuance to it that is such a good point and i have a perfect rule i think to follow that up okay the next rule is reasonable is greater than rational do you want me to explain this a little bit go on essentially this rule is saying that The most rational thing is not reasonable once you consider the psychological implications of it. Mm. It's about aiming to do what you reasonably can do, even if it isn't um, the most rational decision. I have a really good example for this, but you go first. Well, I think that that's a perfect example. You take someone who is a student, they might um, not have a lot of disposable income, but a big part of being a student is your peers. You're working with the group and they're going out for lunch you might not have a lot of money to go and spend for lunch and it may not be the most rational thing to do. But as part of the student experience, it may not be reasonable to expect someone to say no to every opportunity to do things like that. Mm. So, of course, you got to keep in mind what is reasonable with your spending as well. Mm. But it's about going, okay, what is reasonable here rather than what is purely cold hard, the most rational thing to do? Mm. I was thinking of an analogy with assignments. So... Everyone says that you should do the hardest task at the start of your day and then do the easy ones later. But sometimes I like to do the easier ones to kind of get me in the flow. So whilst it's a rational thing to do the hardest thing when you have the most brain power, it's not always a reasonable thing for me. Like sometimes I just need those like little dopamine hits to get me going. That's a really good example because I've had I've done both of those the eat the frog approach and then also the like get your wheels spinning, get some little wins on the board. Yeah. I that's a really good example. Yeah. I like that. There are days where I might have the capacity to just eat the frog, but mm-hmm. there are other days where I might be run down and I just need... A coffee. <laughs> I need some little wins. I need to yeah. do those little odds and end jobs that make me feel good. Yeah. So some days you can say no to, you know, eating out or the coffee or whatever it might be, but some days it actually might make more sense to just yeah. do it. I think another example is one from the study tips episode about music. Mm-hmm. What might be most rational is listening to like 
Mozart with no lyrics, but if you're in a bad mood and struggling to be motivated, maybe just listening to your own music because it means you will study. Mm. That's the more reasonable thing to do. Exactly. Okay. That was good. That was a fun chat. Yeah, I like that. All right, this one might be a little triggering. (laughs) (laughs) Needing to learn when is enough. I feel attacked. (laughs) (laughs) And why don't you tell them why you feel attacked? Well... Again, this also relates to the first principle of personal experiences and that whole financial trauma aspect is sometimes when you come from a place without money, you feel like it is limited. You feel like the rug's going to be pulled out from under you. You feel like it's all going to disappear. So sometimes I'm like, okay, I have to like keep working, keep working, keep working because someday I'm not going to have this work and I'm not going to have the money and I'm not going to be able to survive and like help my family or whatever it might be. But realistically, if I look back historically, you know, I've always been able to recover. You know, I've always been able to find a job and, you know, whilst it has been stressful and not enjoyable, overall it's been okay, but I need to learn, yeah, maybe I can actually take a day off work when I feel exhausted, like that is okay. Um, I really struggle with that though and that's something that I think I will battle with for the rest of my life. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I think from the book they talk about the hardest financial skill is getting the goalpost to stop moving. Mm. Once they achieve those standards, the goalpost just moves further back. I think about the story, I remember hearing about this, you know, very wealthy investor, clearly millions and millions and millions of dollars, but he was drinking the cheapest coffee that you could find to save money. And at that point in his case, I there could be an argument of like, when is enough? At what point is it a good... You, do you have enough money or enough success to say, okay, I can enjoy this now? And that might be a good segue into the last of these rules from the psychology of money. So the last one, which I'm curious to get your opinion about, is the idea that happiness comes from the freedom to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, for as long as you want. Mm-hmm. This ability is priceless and is the highest dividend that money pays. Mm-hmm. What do you think? That's exactly why I decided to keep working during masters because I could have lived like week to week, right? On the little amount of Centrelink and maybe like a couple of hours of work. I could have done that. But what's really important to me is to have a bit of like an emergency fund or something that I'm not reliant on like studies or something to get that paycheck or or I'm not reliant on a job. So if I'm really hating the job, if I'm hating the the um yeah, the the study or anything like that, I can just leave and I'll be okay. And I think that choice that saving a little bit more and the peace of mind that it gave me was so much more valuable than actually like saving for something in particular. You know what I mean? Just having that there helps me sleep at night knowing that I actually have time right? If I wanted to quit my job tomorrow, which I don't because I love my job, <laughs> but if I wanted to quit my job tomorrow, I could and I could just take some time, take a week maybe or a couple of weeks to just re-examine my life and choose what I want to do. Um, but if I was living week to week and I didn't have that and I didn't sacrifice a few things to have that safety net, then I wouldn't have that choice and that seems so much worse than um, you know, enduring a little bit of pain to save a bit. And I think that really highlights the first one that we mentioned as well about how financial, I guess, experiences are driven by personal experiences. So the fact that for you, I think it's very true that happiness 
it may not even be the right word, but relaxation and contentment to be able to live in a way that you aren't stressed and anxious about finances and survival and just getting by means pursuing this more than perhaps someone who has had a more, uh, let's just say a privileged earlier experience. Mm. If they've grown up with money, they might not feel as much stress and pressure towards needing to chase it and have that kind of cushion space. Mm. But for you, there might be that additional stresses, I suppose. Yeah. And that's why you can see both. One, your happiness very well may be highlighted by this. And the fact that money affords you the opportunity to relinquish some of that stress, Mm. to live more comfortably. But as I think is an important disclaimer for everything that we talk about, it's going to depend on the person. Yeah, this is not financial advice. (laughs) It's not financial advice and it doesn't necessarily mean that you might align with this. I know that there's going to be people listening to this who don't see their financial position as much of a, a value that they feel very strongly about. They just need enough to be able to get through each day and that's good enough for them. They can be completely content. Mm. So just recognizing, I guess, those differences between people. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, looking at that time, I reckon we should discuss our own money mindsets. Do you reckon? Do you want to go first? Yeah, well, I think the main one we're going to discuss today is value-based spending. So when I say value-based spending, it's something which has been a massive shift in my own mindset. And it's probably something which has been driven by you and learning a lot from you. But essentially it's going, look, I'm not here to stop spending money and to save as many pennies as I can. I'm here to spend my money in the areas that actually do bring me value and joy. Because that's often where I would say my money was leaking, where I was losing money without gaining much in the way of uh, life satisfaction. So I've provided some examples of this in the past, talking about getting coffees and when I would do it just because it was a force of habit versus when I would actually, you know, kind of like now. This morning we went out, we looked up a new coffee place that we wanted to try and, you know, went and had a great coffee that we really enjoyed. And it's a completely different experience. Same with food, whether I'm just going and picking up food on the way home because I'm feeling a bit lazy and it doesn't contribute much to me versus when I find a good place I want to eat or when I go with friends. And then I guess another one, which maybe I haven't touched on yet, is things like clothes. And this might come back to the true wealth being what you don't see. But if I wanted to try to look nice, I would just go to some shop where I could find a shirt that I liked and it might be $60, but it would get the job done for that occasion. And in reality, I know I could spend that money in other areas and get heaps more value out of it. At an op shop, I could yeah. get like seven items. And I think that's just another example of that. Yeah. Do you have anything come to your mind when you think of this? Yeah. For me, it was socializing. And I had to do a little bit of introspection around socializing because I think that was my biggest um, expense, like discretionary expense. So when I lived back at home in Melbourne, I would always go out for dinners, drinks, that kind of thing to socialize. I guess the value that I was trying to achieve there was connecting with my friends and spending time with my friends. It wasn't necessarily the place that we went to. Like, I really can't recall any significant place that was, you know, 
it's so special to me. It was more the conversations and the relationships that I still have with people. That was the value and that was the important thing for me. Um, but I was trying to achieve it in very expensive ways, which I didn't really have the money for that back then. Um, still don't, but... <laughs> When I did a little bit more introspection, I realized I was going out for a few reasons. One, because I was kind of embarrassed about my house. I didn't think it was very aesthetic and it wouldn't cultivate the vibe to facilitate good conversations. I didn't really know how to host. I felt that, oh, I don't want to make something and then they don't like it and again, it will ruin the vibe or whatever it might be. I had all these kind of insecurities running through my head. And, you know, when I finally moved out of home and my budget was constricted even more, I was faced with the same thing. Um, Granted, my space was a little bit more, I guess, reflective of my personal style, but I was faced with that same dilemma and I had to really be okay with the fact like, all right, I might not make like the best food. It might be not equivalent to a restaurant, but At the end of the day, my friends aren't going to care if we're having dinner at a really fancy place or if we're having um, really amazing food, right? That's that's not what they really care about. And so it's actually kind of fun when you all, you know, can bring food or make food together and trying to boil back down to those really simple experiences, I think, was quite nice. And I think there's still a place for going out, right? I really enjoy trying new places and new foods because you can't always make different cuisines and do them justice, right? So I think there's absolutely still a place in that. But just finding more of a balance between, okay, I want to catch up with this person instead of just like finding like a random restaurant for the sake of it. Like, why don't you come over for dinner and then we'll have that same experience, but at a fraction of the cost. But that's one of the biggest shifts for me. I think in summary, what I've been trying to do over the past few years is look at kind of my more discretionary spending and boiling down what is the function of this cost. So for example, like I just mentioned, going out for dinner or for lunch, I have reduced it down to I want the connection with my friends, right? So any sort of kind of spending you have, whether it be like beauty or on electronics or, or whatever your interests might be, you know, boiling it down to what do I want from this and how can I maybe achieve it in a way that is more sustainable for my income for my financial well-being but yeah I think that's kind of that's pretty much it yeah yeah I think that's a really good example and I think that that's probably not a bad place for us to to leave our money mindsets Mm -hmm. so that leaves us for our last episode of our student broke student series yes where we can start talking about the practical tips yes some practical things that we have done that has helped us yeah so they'll probably all fit into I would say the umbrella of value-based spending Mm -hmm. and it's the things that go okay these are things which perhaps bring us value or bring us the finances to be able to spend that money in the ways that we value most yes and also just a reminder if you wanted that $20 cash back just head on over to shop back and use our code broke student yeah link in bio (laughs) yes Thank you so much for listening to Mental Status, a podcast created by psychology students for psychology students. If you found this episode helpful, we would really appreciate it if you followed us on Instagram, which is mental at Mental Status Podcast. I promise we'll post more once I'm done with uni. <laughs> but if you would like to reach out to us, you can also hit us up at mentalstatuspodcast at gmail.com. As well as that, if you're listening and mm. you can see 
a little star symbol there somewhere, go give us a five star. Do us a favor. Please. <laughs> no, we really appreciate it. It makes a massive difference to us. So thank you to everyone who has already done that. But yes, thank you so much for your time and we hope to see you next time. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.